Hello, I'm your host Sarah and this is Insane. Yes, indeedy, this is Insane. It's episode nine of Insane. I hope everyone is doing very well and is in possession of healthy amounts of sanity. This episode, I thought I'd do something a bit more practical in advice and somewhat lighthearted. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I don't know how to do anything lightheartedly. I'm like all or nothing. You know what I mean? I'm going to give you some practical advice because I think often a lot of conversations on well-being tend to be quite philosophical and theoretical and you're sitting there nodding and thinking I'll have me some of that thank you very much but you have no idea how this person got to this stage and so I've come across actual practical advice on meditation which I'm going to share with you now. Don't roll your eyes just give me a chance. Obviously I'm going to get a bit philosophical for the next couple of minutes because I've got to convince you of this meditative technique and the importance of it and what makes this technique a bit special for me is that it's an Islamic technique and it's one that Al-Ghazali outlines in his book Ahya Ulum al-Din, The Revival of the Religious Sciences in the book of the marvels of the heart. But first, let me lay out the groundwork to convince you of the importance of this technique. And not just within a Sufi setting. I think there's a misconception within the Muslim community that anything to do with meditation and contemplation, this is something that belongs to Sufism. And it certainly does, but I disagree in that it's not part of mainstream Islam. And the reasons why I say this is the evidence placed for contemplation and for meditation are found in the traditional collections of hadith and certainly within the Qur'an. Quite frankly, the verses on contemplating creation in the Qur'an are many. There's Upon the earth are signs for those possessing certainty and in yourselves then will you not see. That's Quran chapter 51 verse 20 to 21. There's also, we shall show them our signs upon the horizons and within themselves till it becomes clear to them that it is the truth. And that's chapter 41 verse 53. There's also, And be not like those who forgot God, so he made them forget themselves. That's chapter 59, verse 19. There are also sayings in the prophetic tradition which support the notion of knowing oneself and its link to God. So there's a prophetic saying that says, he who knows himself knows God. And there's God created Adam in his likeness. Today I came across a very beautiful passage that kind of resonates this notion that one needs to understand oneself to understand God. Al-Ghazali writes, No one can understand a king but a king. Therefore God has made each of us a king in miniature, so to speak. 
over a kingdom which is an infinitely reduced copy of his own. In the kingdom of man, God's throne is represented by the soul, the archangel by the heart, the chair by the brain, the tablet by the treasure chamber of thought. The soul itself, unlocated, indivisible, governs the body as God governs the universe. In short, each of us is entrusted with a little kingdom and charged not to be careless in the administration of it. To understand the relevance of the heart and the body and the soul, you can listen to episode four of the podcast where I explain in detail the nature of the human with respects to Islamic philosophies and well-being. There are also sayings of the Prophet, peace be upon him, that encourage meditation in general. So you have sayings such as meditation is half of worship and also one hour of reflection is better than a year's worship. The sources for these hadith is the book of Ahya Ulum al-Din, The Revival of the Religious Sciences by Abu Hamad al-Ghazali. So you can see from these sources that there is a place for meditation and contemplation within the Islamic philosophy and specifically that of self-meditation and contemplation. And the notion is that the more one knows oneself, the closer one gets in understanding God. But before I go on to the technical aspects of the meditation, I just want to explore one more philosophical concept behind that of meditation. And it's certainly a hang-up that I had in that I used to say, I can't meditate. I can't sit there and just concentrate on one thing. I can't do it. I have no patience for it. And as a technique, it is difficult at first, just like everything else. And it needs commitment and practice to master. So there is that side of it that can be frustrating because you constantly have to bring your mind back to the technique, especially in the beginning. And I'll explain that later. But what I want to suggest that although that's a very valid hang up to have about the meditative technique, I just think that perhaps sometimes it's a lot deeper than that. It's not just oh, I can't sit there and concentrate. I think it's more, we spend our whole lives trying to avoid facing ourselves. We come up with ways of distracting ourselves, whether it be through shopping or Netflix or a hobby or books. And it's all because we can't sit there alone with ourselves and I think a lot of us can handle a lot of things but there's one thing we just cannot handle and that is the idea that we would look within ourselves and find that we are lacking and we are not proud of what we see. Our own vulnerabilities and weakness scare us so much that we spend much of our lives running away from ourselves. And that's the harsh reality. And 
when you do look inside yourself, you do see a lot of weakness. I think what you also find is a lot of pain. A lot of us try to ignore the fact that we've been hurt in a very deep way. That our actions are because of a hurt that's been done against us. And so we're no longer able to do things like trust people. And we say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not trusting because it's a responsible thing to do. And so you close up and you don't socialize and you don't give people a chance. And you say it's because you're not social or because you can't be social and you can't trust anyone. But really, you've been so deeply hurt by a person or a particular experience. And you know that deep inside, that's from a stance of weakness and not strength. And so things like that keep coming up and it's difficult and it's hard to face. But what pushed me to face it is the reality that if I do belong to the Islamic philosophy and I do believe in it, then it stipulates that eventually I will have to face myself. If I don't do it in this life, then I'll have to do it in the hereafter. And I can't run away from my realities. I can't busy myself. I have to face it. And I am going to be facing it in front of my Lord. Is that the right place to face yourself? It's too late by then. Now, in this world, I have an opportunity to go through the pain of facing myself and correcting myself so that when I am in front of my Lord, you'll know that I tried my best. So just bear that in mind before you decide to meditate or not. You know, what, what are your real reasons? Why can you not sit alone with yourself? Why are you so afraid of yourself? And why meditation is so powerful is because at the end of it, there is some self-respect there. And what I mean by meditation here is not so much the technique that I will be showing you in a couple of minutes, although that technique has its relevance in sort of training you to actually go into a much more deeper kind of meditation, which is what I'm talking about, the type where you go into self-exploration, figure out why you act in certain ways and try and sort of address those habits and so your ego and your basal instincts are not in control of you and what I mean by self-respect in this context is that although initially there's a lot of bad feelings associated with coming face to face with your bad habits and your shortcomings eventually that does lead to feelings of self-respect because you overcome so much and there is nothing more powerful and more honorable than your own respect for yourself. So now let's go on to the technique. I can't believe I'm doing something like this. I used to cringe when I heard people sit down in a quiet place. I used to cringe and I'm doing it now. <laughs> okay, so do sit down in a quiet place, um, in a place where you will not be interrupted. So choose a good time and just Sit in a position that's comfortable. If you want to cross your legs on the floor, do that. If you want to sit down on a chair, you can do that. I like to have things dark, but it's up to you. You don't have to. And I like to close my eyes. You don't have to. I think it's better if you do close your eyes so you're not distracted. 
So the idea of meditation is that you focus on one thing, that you don't let your thoughts carry you away. So sometimes meditation, you focus on the breath. Sometimes it's focusing on a word. And in this instance, in El Ghazali's technique, you focus on a word. And the word here, he suggests repeating Allah or Asakhfarullah, but it's up to you what you want to repeat. If you want to feel God's mercy, repeat Ya Rahman or Ya Rahim. If you want to feel forgiven, we can repeat Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. So I prefer to say La ilaha illallah. So what I do is in the beginning, I take a couple of deep breaths, make sure that I'm nice and calm. And then I will breathe in through my nose and then simultaneously, while saying la ilaha illallah, breathe out through my mouth. When your mind starts to wander, gently bring your mind back to the word. Don't think about anything else. Don't think, oh, I'm so rubbish at this. Just gently bring your thought back to the word. Al-Ghazali also warns about the whispers of the shaitan, the whispers of the shaitan, which amplify during this process. As you master this technique, you'll notice that your tongue will be moving effortlessly. Like it will be moving, but you won't feel it. And instead, you will be feeling the meaning of the word in your heart. So eventually, try not to think about the structure or the word itself, but try to just feel the meaning in your heart. So don't judge yourself, don't judge your thoughts, just keep bringing your thought back to the word. And as you dedicate more time and practice to this technique, you will find it easier and easier. But most importantly, what it will do is bring down priests and tranquility to your heart which happens in the remembrance of God and I hope that it will give you the courage to face yourself and address your vulnerabilities your weaknesses your pain and your suffering so that you can attain your own respect and that you are not in a situation where the first time you come face to face with yourself is in front of your Lord And I know that you have the courage to do this. And on that note, I'm going to have to love you and leave you. Do take care.